Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Social Jello with Angelo show. Thanks for tuning in. Today I'm interviewing John Hojlo, and we're going to be going over some things about martial arts. If you want to check out my podcast, check it out at www.socialjello.com. You can download the app from TuneIn Radio and listen to it for free on there, or you can go to iTunes and download for free, or you can stream it from my website for free at www.socialjello.com. All right, without further ado, here's John Hojlo. All right, in three, two, one. So, hey, what's up, John? Thanks for coming on the show again. Really hey, appreciate job, it. Um, for those of you that didn't check out the last episode of Social Jello with Angelo when John was on, we just talked about martial arts and uh, our experiences with the, with the style that we train in called Kaju Kembo. I definitely recommend checking that style, uh, checking that podcast out uh just scroll back i think it's like episode 20 or so but you can still do it says interview with john hojlo either way uh john i had you come out today because i wanted to talk about uh your ideas or your thoughts on the differences between sports martial arts being used for sport and martial arts being used for self-defense mostly because a lot of people online will be having this discussion from either with martial arts backgrounds or without martial arts backgrounds, talking about how either Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or MMA is the best for real fighting or real self-defense, and then with other people with m more traditional backgrounds arguing that that's not the case, that uh, you should look more into traditional styles or self-defense styles oriented in self-defense. Um, and there's a there's been a debate. If you if you're online, you see you see this debate come up often w amongst martial arts practitioners and just your average trolls with the tap out shirts. So I figured I'd just kind of since you know um, I guess if you want, even though we talked about your history with martial arts, if you can just kind of briefly talk about your experiences and um, a little bit about how long you've been teaching in your in your rank, if you don't mind, and then yeah, jump no into problem. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I trained Kaji Kembo. Uh, my teacher was uh, Sifu Ronasteller. His title is Grandmaster Ronasteller. Um, but I know you had a guest a while back. You guys were talking about the meaning of Sifu. It's not quite what people think it is. Um, but yeah, so my teacher was Sifu Ronasteller. I've been uh, teaching Kaju Kembo for about... I started teaching in about 2000. Uh, I've been doing martial arts, uh, different styles since i was about nine years old so it's uh, how old am i forget now uh 20 something years 25 27 somewhere in there um so i've been doing martial arts for a while uh i considered myself starting as a traditionalist and a lot of kaji kembo is about taking what works and getting rid of what doesn't so uh, of course at our school we took in a lot of the mma techniques a lot of mma thinking and we've applied it to our arts and uh, as of now i'm a fourth Fourth Dan, uh, fourth degree black belt in Kaiju Kumbo, and uh, teaching my own program here in Okayama. Cool, cool. Um, if you don't mind talking about, um, I guess a little bit, how, how are things going with your program in Okayama? Right now it's going great. Um, we had a major problem, for me anyway. Um, I've been working with one of the guys for God, almost four years now, just on our own. And uh, I officially made this a Kaiju Kumbo program. Uh, 
about a year, year and a half ago now. Uh, we started making this more regularly at community centers around here. Uh, about two months ago, I broke my toe. And uh, that's uh, it's been a hiccup. But since then, I've had the students that have been coming in, they've been continuing to fight and train, and they're trying really hard, and they're kicking ass, and I'm really proud of them. Uh, right now, the program is just starting, and it's taken off, and I'm very happy with where it is right now. Cool, cool. So going back to the main topic of the podcast for today, um, what are your thoughts on this, man? Uh, have you, have, what have you come across? So I, I, I know, like I mentioned earlier, I came across... I mean, I'll be honest, I came across other seafoods from our, marsh, from our style kind of bashing MMA. But I've also heard some, say, some seafoods some, from other methods within our style saying that MMA is a great place to practice um, as far as it gives you the space to do it without getting arrested, right? Because like a lot of the stuff that we do, if you were to apply it outside of an extreme setting you're definitely going to need a lawyer like (laughs) when you're you're done you know it's 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 designed for self-defense and if you do defend yourself on the street because of how extreme our style is the person will end up like an i mean we train to to break not submit we train to to put the person down and cause fractures and once someone ends up in the hospital you know there's questions and there needs to be answers and a lot of time there's legal effects because of that but what what have you seen? What are your experiences with this? Uh, my experience, anytime I talk with people about the difference between self-defense and traditional martial arts, the same three things always come up. Uh, number one are the fight rules, which always comes up, especially from self-defense people. There's also the starting bell, which I think is a huge thing. And there's the reason that people train. Um, now, before I say too much about the rules, I need to report from my foot in my mouth. I want to be clear that I respect MMA fighters. Um, MMA is great. I think it's a great place. It's a great testing ground for what techniques are effective, uh, which ones are efficient, uh, which ones have the greatest return. It's also a great testing ground for training machines, what works to make fighters good. Having said that, um, and again, I recommend MMA for everybody, no matter what. If you do Kung Fu, you do Tai Chi, if you want to do whatever style, I do recommend getting an MMA and if you don't like it, at least take from it and apply it to your fighting art. Uh, if you are in a self-defense situation, MMA techniques are going to give you a huge advantage over other people. Having said that, um, I don't want to fight someone I don't know. And there are a couple of reasons for that. But when you mention the rules, uh, for example, head stomping, uh, MMA, if someone's on the ground, my understanding is that you cannot stomp them on the head. No, uh, since pride, you can't do that anymore. Right. And it's as illegal. And that's safe, and that's good. Like you mentioned earlier, it's, it's a safe area to train. Um, on the other hand, that means that an MMA gym, you're not going to do any training against someone trying to stomp your head in, which is what may happen in a street fight. And that's where the confusion comes in. Um, what was the rule we were talking about? You came over, we were talking about... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so w- one of the rules that is uh, a lot of people don't... A lot of people that just kind of watch UFC or watch... MMA matches that they don't know about is three on the ground. So you can't, there's, there's, a, there's a time, they do allow ground and pounds. Ground and pounds are allowed. But ground and pounds are not allowed while the other person is standing. In other words, you can punch a guy to the ground and then once he is laying on the ground, once, once he has two legs or one arm, once there's three points on the ground, 
the other fighter has to go onto the ground to continue the ground and pound. That's why on UFC you'll see them take the full mount or the side mount or a type of mount. Uh, for those of you that are listening to this that have no idea what I'm talking about because you don't do martial arts, it, they have to do like a wrestling move or a, specifically jujitsu. But to give you an idea, they have to do a grappling move that is comes from the sport of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's, it's kind of tied into their rule. So you have to get into one of the official guards before you can continue hitting the person on the ground. You can't stand over them and start hitting them on the ground while you're on your right. two feet. That's exactly it, yeah. When you mentioned that, I was shocked. I didn't know that rule, actually. Um, and I was thinking if I had gotten into MMA earlier, I probably would have been DQ'd quite a few times on that rule alone. Uh, just just if I see an opening, I'm just going to punch him in the face. Uh, with these kind of rules, I mean, but again, that's one of the rules that people don't consider in a real-life fight. Uh, I don't want to fight a stranger when you can do these kind of techniques. Um, Worst-case scenario, when these rules go out the window... He kicks your ass. Uh, I can, we can cuss today, right? Oh, yeah. We can always cuss. Okay, good. Sure. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, anyway, like I'm saying, uh, you can't stomp on someone's head in the ring in the MMA match, but you can do it in a real fight. You don't train for that in an MMA ring. Uh, so, what happens in a real fight when those rules go out the window, I don't want to fight a stranger. I don't want to fight someone I don't know. Because they're going to be throwing those types of techniques. Maybe he's great at fighting. Maybe he's not. But uh, worst case scenario, you get the shit beat out of you. Uh, you get hurt. You get maimed. You get killed. Maybe he's got a knife or a weapon. Maybe he's got buddies to stomp on your head or hit you with a baseball bat. Slightly better case scenario is, uh, well, you kick his ass. You uh, send him to the hospital maybe. And maybe you avoid legal repercussions. But uh, you still get your ass beat, too. I mean, fights are not like the movies. Maybe you beat them up, but you end up black eyes, bruised, bloody. You break your knuckles. Uh, I don't care how good of a puncher you are. Professional punchers without the 16-ounce gloves will hit someone in the head who turns to the last second, and then they break their knuckles. You know, I mean, it, for, the, for the best fighters have done that. You're gonna, And then after all these injuries, great, you kick his ass, but you're injured, and you got to go to work the next day, man. Um, I don't, I'm not signed to UFC or Bellator. I'm not paid enough for this shit. And you got to go to work like this, man. Uh, the best case scenario in a situation, someone you don't know, you kick their ass, you walk off into the sunset, and uh, two years later, you're walking down the street and you run into the same guy with 16 of his cousins. And uh, you're fucked. Uh, I say 16 cousins. You know, the California, we got big families. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I mean, and maybe maybe he's changed. You know, two years is a, a short time for memory and a long time for life changes. Maybe the guy's new and he's nice and his 16 cousins want to speak the word of the Lord to you, you know, or maybe they want to kill you. <laughs> Meanwhile, maybe you can take a beating by 16 guys. Maybe you're walking down the street with your five-year-old daughter. Do you really want to be in that situation of a revenge fight when you've got family to protect? Uh, when you're talking self-defense training, these are the things you're keeping in mind. When an MMA, MMA match is over, you know, there's trash talk before, but it's amazing how soon the trash talk ends when the fight's done. You know, there's no more trash talk unless you're getting ready for a rematch. 
a real life situation does not end just because someone got knocked out. They're going to remember you and you better hope they're nice in the future. You know, uh, that's the rules thing, man. That's what everyone talks about. You've talked to trolls and you've talked to people about the rules before as well, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I try to not engage at all. <laughs> that's my general internet rule is like, I'll ask a question and I'll back off. If someone I, I know and love starts saying things that I don't agree with, I just completely ignore it and just kind of mentally store it to do a podcast on it later. But without mentioning any names, I can have the podcast and anyone listening to it might say, oh, I said something like that. And at that point, it's so far later that maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I'm not naming any names. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, like I said, I, I try not to, I try not to engage on people online and that kind of stuff in general. I always just ask questions. So like um, the times that I have had these conversations is usually face to face. Like when I've had this conversation, it's usually when I'm when I'm teaching someone at the at my MMA club, and they ask me, "Hey, have you been in a real fight?" And I'm like, yeah, I've been in a real fight. I've been in a few real fights. And they're like, oh, well, like, you know, were you able to use what you learned and what you were showing today? And I said, no, not really. I mean, I use like a very light version of what I'm showing today because we talk about how to break a guy's arm and break a guy's finger. <laughs> and I would, as you mentioned, I would not want to actually go that far. On the street, um, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking I need to. I need to keep myself safe, um, keep an eye out on my surroundings, and if for some reason the two things, if I have someone I have to protect, I have to protect them. If I don't have someone I have to protect, then I'm really just looking at a tactical retreat. That's like usually the first thing in my head is a tactical retreat, which is different. Like I, when I'm teaching, I, I have to teach the, the worst case scenario that you're cornered in an alley because that's what we're always talking about, right? is the idea that you're, you're cornered, but, um, right. and then in MMA, you kind of are, you're in a cage, you're cornered, but in real life, you're not cornered and you're out in the real world. There's a lot of places you can get to. So that, that's Definitely. not, that's why like I never really engaged in it. Cause I feel like, it, I feel like a lot of the stuff online is all hypothetical anyway. Like there's always someone just talking about a hypothetical situation. And I really like the only reason I've even been in a fight is because I was brought up in a rough neighborhood and I got jumped twice and um, got in a few street fights. And mo most of this stuff happened when I was a teenager. Like once I was no longer a teenager, that stuff just kind of faded away because my mentality already changed to the point that if I see someone who looks like they're going to fight, I just don't even talk to them. Like if, if I see someone who is the kind of person that I know likes to do street fights, I just stay away from them. That's the easiest yeah. approach. And that's that's how I've avoided any any street fights. I had one guy try to sucker punch me when I was 23, 24. And um, it was in my front yard. He was my my neighbor's friend. And I remember I heard the classic line of, what would you do? Oh, you do. I heard you do karate. What would you do if someone did this? And that's funny that he said that because the last person who said that to me was when I was, 15, when I was 17, when I first started doing formal martial arts training. Yeah. And it was one of my friends who also did that. This person wasn't my friend, but the first person was. And he ended up kicking me in the back of the knee, throwing me into the ground, and tearing my ACL. And I had to go in for surgery. And I was down for two years. So, like, there's a trigger in my head when I hear someone say, what would you do if, and I know to take that, that shit serious. <laughs> yeah. 
So like, because when he said it at the time, the first time it happened, I was like, oh, what's kind of, and I was kind of wasn't that alert. But this time around, I was in my, I was in my twenties, twenty four, twenty three, and I heard this guy behind me say that, and um, I immediately reacted, grabbed his arm, threw him in a hip toss, dropped my knee on his head, <laughs> and put him in the in the straight arm bar position, the standing arm bar from Kajakembo, and yeah. just told him, hey man, um. You need to calm down. And he's like, you're going to break my arm. I'm all, I am going to break your arm if you don't talk. We need to talk right now. Don't sneak up on me. We do, this is serious. I'm not playing games. And I'm going to let you go now. But um, I have no problems against you. I have nothing against you personally. I'm guessing you were probably just messing around. So I'm going to let you go now. But we gotta, you got to promise me that we're not going to engage in a fight after this. Because if we are, I am going to break your arm right now. And... And he, he told me, yeah, I'm really sorry, man. I, I don't want to fight. I'm like, neither do I. <laughs> but, you know, that's you, just, you can't go sneaking up on people trying to sucker punch them. And then I let him go. No, man, and, that was, and that was that. And that, that's like the closest thing. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. It does. I mean, it, that's, you mentioned that sucker punch. That's, uh, like I was saying, that's a big difference with the rules as well. Uh, even following the news about that American football player here in Japan, the high school, I think, football player. Ah, uh, no, I, I didn't. So basically, what happened to your knee, I mean, this is not fighting, but it's American football in Japan, high school kid, quarterbacks know they're going to get tackled, they're used to getting tackled, they get tackled to practice. Uh, some guy, after the play, you know, the quarterback throws the ball, and he's just kind of hanging out, relaxed, and some dude uh, on the other team runs up behind him and tackles him, oh. full force, and fucks up his back, his knee. Uh, that's right the news right now. Uh, but yeah, but again, it's that sucker punch thing. When you're not ready for it, it's not like the ring. And that kind of brings us the um, – it's the other big thing that comes up in what's different with self-defense from MMA or any competition is the starting bell. Uh, you got any kind of competition, there's someone to ring the bell or there's someone to say hajime or there's Mills Lane to say let's get it on. There's something to let you know, hey, we're going to fight now. All right. Uh, competition is all about trying to make it fair. That's why they had the same body weight. You know, like 20 pounds difference can make a huge difference in the power of someone's punch and leverage and all kinds of things. Uh, I had a buddy who did a jujitsu match, I remember like 15 years ago now. And the only guy who was there to fight him was like literally 120 pounds heavier than him. It wasn't a jujitsu match, it was a sumo match. And yeah, it was, that was it. So they tried to keep it fair, you know, same ways. Uh, but in a real fight, there is no starting bell. Sometimes the only bell you hear is the one in the back of your head after you get cold cocked. And that's too late. Uh, but then on the other hand, there's part of our training. It's you know, that situational awareness, being aware if someone's looking funny at you, they probably might be trying to punch you. Uh, there's also the verbal judo, uh, the word, the talking, uh, which you did a pretty good job, sounds like, with the guy who tried to hit you from behind. Um, there's... Talking before the fight, uh, there's gesturing, there's posturing. Sometimes that goes on longer than like the tail of a tape. And some people realize the fight's brewing. Some people don't. Some people are drunk and stupid and they don't know what's happening. Uh, and you got to realize when we say verbal judo, talking down at this point, it's not looking weak. Uh, it's not saying, please don't hurt me. I don't want to fight you. Because that actually encourages some people to punch you in the face. Uh, in fact... For anybody who does military training or one to gun disarms, that's one of the things you want to do is cry and sob and, oh, please don't hurt me, please, please. You give them 
mental power, you give them confidence, they get cocky and put the gun on your forehead, which means now they're close enough for you to do your Jackie Chan gun disarm. Dude, that's tricks. Verbal judo is not about changing their emotion. It's about throwing the idea of a fight out the window. Uh, I really recommend this video. I think the guy's name is Tim Tackett. Uh, I think he's a Jeet Kune Do guy. There's a two-minute speech he gives at some seminar about verbal judo. He calls it verbal jujitsu. And it's all about throwing the idea of a fight out the window. The One of the examples he gives, it's great, is against the line, what you looking at? You know, we heard it all in the 80s movies. What you looking at, bitch? And his response to this, as an example, what is verbal judo? What you looking at? That shirt, man. Is that red? I love that shirt. Dude, seriously, where did you buy this? You know, it's not about the fight. You're trying to con confuse him, disrupt it. In my mind, one of three things happens. Number one, you make a new friend. You buy them a drink, him or her. Self-defense is for women, too. You buy them a drink, you talk, you make a friend, situation averted. Number two, you confuse the hell out of them and distract them long enough for the idea of a fight to just be awkward. And at that point, you slowly exit stage left. Number three, they fight you anyway. At that point, they were already planning on trying to sucker punch you, but at least <clears throat> now you know what's happening. You know? Uh, so I do, if, anyone, if you guys get a chance, look at this guy, Tim Tackett. He's great. But uh, that is another difference that always comes up with uh, self-defense as well. It's not clear. There's no opening bell like the guy that came up behind you and messed up his knee. And like this American football player in Japan that got fucked up by the other team's guy. I mean, that's what we train for as well. Yeah. And I mean, and the guy who fucked up my knee, I mean, he was my friend. Uh, yeah. It, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't even intentional. And again, yeah, exactly, we, yeah. we were drinking, but we weren't straight out drunk. We, we both had maybe two or three beers tops. We were just tipsy. Mm -hmm. And um, and he and after the, after the fact, like he was just sitting there apologizing and like he felt really bad for years. He'd apologize, <laughs> but I mean, like it was more it was more or less a freak accident. Um, yeah. But like that's again the the, the idea of situa situational awareness, knowing when the proper time to engage in. Um, a lot of times when people try to start a fight. Or not even try to start a fight, just try to get a little rough, start roughhousing. Yeah. Um, like, rough I learned, wrestling. yeah, arm wrestling, or not, not, but like, you know, roughhousing, pushing or shoving or whatever. Just start kind of, kind of let's wrestle, let's kind of fight mentality after a few drinks. Um, what I always would tell people is like, hey, you know, why don't we just next Sunday, next Wednesday, if you want to spar, we'll go, we'll, we'll do this then. Right now, let's just have a good time. Let's just relax. If they want a rough house, well, rough. There's a time to rough house. Right now, it's not really the time. Yeah. But yeah. You, well, you thought about that too. I mean, that's also one of the good sides of MMA is both sides are ready, and you get to actually <clears throat> try what you've learned and see what you have. Like, I recommend, and everyone does some MMA, even if that's not your main art. You got to do it, and then bring it back to your style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's a big part of it. That's definitely a big part of it. Yeah, so there's uh, those are the first two things from mind. But there's um, to talk about the difference in MMA and uh, self defense. There's one other thing that comes up, and sometimes it pisses me off. Uh, and that is the reason that people fight, the reason that people train. Um, the last video that I put up uh, kind of touched on this as well. 
there's lots of different reasons that people train traditional martial arts. You and me, Kaji Kambo, if you do Kung Fu or Tai Chi, whatever. Some of them are some of them are noble, some of them are not. I started doing martial arts because I love ninjas and kung fu. You know, I, I loved Ninja Turtles growing up. You know, who, who was who was your favorite martial arts hero as a kid, man? You got used to have one. Uh, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, yeah. yeah, that was I was nine. I was nine when I saw my first Bruce Lee movie, and I actually thought it was a horror film because it, <laughs> it's it's, scary, right? it's it started like uh, my uh, my uncle was flipping through the channels, and he stopped and entered the dragon, and it was at that scene where he's all cut up with all the mirrors, and he's fighting the guy with the bear claw. So I honestly thought it was a horror movie. <laughs> it was this. <laughs> This is this a short shirtless Asian guy. He's kind of muscular, but he's being chased by a guy with a bear claw. And I was like, "Oh shit, this guy's gonna die." They flipped through it. This gonna be a horror film. And I see him like kick his ass. I was like, well, "Yeah, like yeah, this is the best horror movie ever." Like the guy didn't get killed, and he beat up the murderer serial killer dude. So yeah, <laughs> after that, I was like, "Yeah, that guy's my hero." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I'm gonna go do kung fu. You yeah. And that's what a lot of people do. And then when they continue, there's various reasons, you know. I mean, we all got our own reasons to continue. Uh, for me, it's much more serious now. You know, uh, I'm happy as a martial artist. People who train traditional arts tend to be happy, and that's why they continue. Um, Kaju Kembo specifically has saved people's lives. Uh, not just literally for someone with a knife, but, I mean, there's, there's people who would tell you that it saved them from suicide. And... Uh, Depression is a very dangerous animal, and we have Kajukembo Ohana who have lost that fight to depression. Yeah. And um, it's not everybody, but at the same time, some people have used Kajukembo in one way to fight that depression, to fight that creature, and have won. And that's why they train. Now, when it comes to competition sports, again, there's plenty of reasons for everyone around the world why they start. Maybe they had a hero too. But there are a few character types that I tend to see the more that competitions go on. There's, there are the people who train to better themselves or to test themselves. Uh, a lot of martial arts traditionalists do that, and that's great. They should be doing that. I think everyone should learn how to fight. Everyone should do a little bit of competition. I don't care if you're in the military, if you're a Catholic nun. You need to learn these skills because they help your life. If you can learn how to fight one and at least have the confidence to survive if you're you, know, you, you learn so much by learning this skills. then there are the types of people who just love competition sports because they love the game just like people who play, play baseball it's for the love of the game and that's cool i'm not a competition guy myself but they leave me alone i leave them alone that's okay the problem i got are the dicks uh, the ones who just, they want to, they want to enforce their awesomeness on the other people. They want to beat up on weaker people. Uh, they want to become stronger so they can beat up weaker people. And you don't always see these types, uh, because it, it's not, there's not mean trash talking. You know, you bring up my the first person to come to mind might be Tito Ortiz. But when you mention MMA, you got to realize the trash talk is to make them more money. The more angry they look at each other, the sooner they're throwing dollies through mirrors. Not to mention anything. <laughs> but the sooner you see that, that's going to up ticket sales. People go, oh shit, oh shit, oh! They want to see the fight now. And you got to be careful how much of that is real, how much of it is 
you know, stagecraft. Whenever I see HD cameras on that kind of stuff, that should be a, like a really good sign of... <laughs> Why is he recording? Nothing's happening. Why is there a whole camera crew? That's What are the chances a whole camera crew would be there for that? Catch it, yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that's, that's different because that is part of the game. That's part of the sport. But there are people who act that way seriously, and they tend to do it on weaker people, and that pisses me off. The case that I mentioned recently was Tiago Guma. Um, uh, as the guy I mentioned recently, uh, I don't know if you meant to talk about this guy at all, but he was the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy in the road rage incident. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, this guy is a BJJ black belt. He's competing. He's got medals. Great. I mean, he's doing awesome. Uh, he's representing the sport well. And he gets in a road rage incident. And um, now he's dead. So road rage incident. Who knows what happened, you know, it, it's the tale, you know, what happened Monday morning quarterbacking and all that stuff. You see the video, there's no sound, but the more I watch the video, the more it looks to me like Guma was an aggressor, that he was advancing on a man who was scared. Uh, first off, Guma's driving a car and the other guy's riding a motorcycle. Most of the road rage instances I see in that kind of case, the person in the car is the one who's wanting to start the fight. Um, again, I, maybe we don't know all the facts. Who knows? But this is what I see. And then I see the, uh, Guma park his car at a spot somewhat blocking the motorcyclist's path. I see the motorcyclist get off and immediately pull out his gun. Uh, maybe he wants to rob Guma, except he takes off his helmet. So was, it, was this in Brazil? This was in Brazil. Uh, yeah, it was Sao Domingo, I think his name was. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, maybe he wants to rob the guy. Exactly. It was Brazil, oh, maybe he wants to rob the guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he takes off his helmet. So obviously he's not afraid of his face being seen. And he's not going to be in a rush to run away soon. Uh, and the biggest thing, he's backing up with his helmet and the gun in front of him. And Guma's advancing on him. The body language I see tells me Maybe I'm wrong, but the body language I see tells me the biker was scared. And this blue, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt is moving in closer on him, advancing on him. And he tries to tackle this guy who is scared. So he gets shot. And now he's dead. And I don't mean to disrespect the dead, but he's fucking dead. And that fucking... Was, it, wor was it worth it? I mean, that, that, that's what it really comes down to, right? What, yeah. It's not really about disrespecting the dead. I mean... It was, was it worth it? There was, could have that been avoided? Especially when, and he's not the only, Guma's not the only one. I've seen a lot of stories online. Uh, oh, by the way, to my listeners, all the stuff that he's mentioning, um, there'll be links to this, because uh, hopefully he's going to send them to me. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, um, and, um, and I've also seen articles on, on black, Brazilian, specifically Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, Trying to handle hostage situations and getting shot in the head, um, trying to trying to disarm a gun, trying to choke hold, trying to trying to submit or rear naked choke or choke out someone with a gun, which is just a really dangerous thing to do. Um, in general, trying to disarm someone with a gun is is super risky, and then let alone trying to wrestle someone with a gun is also just really risky. Not far, though, yeah. And when I say all this, too, I, I want to, again, say that I respect Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, the, the responses from the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community that I saw 
uh, they were not happy that this happened. And yeah. I, my heart goes out to them, you know, but um, in Kajikumbo, we have, we work with kids, we have anti-bullying techniques, you know, stuff to help them grow up. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu does that as well. I've seen some videos of people who promoting their anti-bullying techniques, and that's beautiful. They need to do that. They need to help the next generation. But now this beautiful art is being represented in this video by somebody quite possibly being a dick. Sorry. Um, Maybe. And again, that, that pisses me off. Because, I mean, in the end, that now he's dead. There's no more medals, no more Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, no more competition, and his family has to put up with that. What the hell good did his martial art do him? Yeah. And again, like you said, not not disrespecting, for my listeners, not disrespecting the art. Uh, my other disclaimer is that, uh, you know, I I, I I I train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well as one of my martial arts that I do on the side. Um, I'm actually starting up with uh, at the at the Gracie School here in Japan. So this is not to say that we're disrespecting the style of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. There's much respect right. to, the, to the senseis and and to the grandmasters that do it. Um, just as as far as this individual case, it's just really upsetting to see this to see someone lose their life. That that's 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 what really is upsetting is seeing a fellow martial artist lose their life um, to their ego. It, yeah, it's heartbreaking. And again, I don't blame Guma for this either. I blame <clears throat> whoever gave him that attitude. I, if, if I probably was not his own teacher, he could have picked this up from a guy in a bar five years before. It doesn't even come from a thing. Whoever this attitude came from. Yeah, maybe ba- upbringing, right? Maybe he just had yeah. a really bad upbringing. Um, had to deal with a lot of stress, bad neighborhood. And he just felt that his way of surviving was to charge in every time. So, yeah, yeah that sucks. But, um, yeah, um, I forgot what we were on. What were we on? <laughs> <laughs> there was a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what what I find these days with competition being more common is that that type of character shows up in the competitive sports more often than traditional arts these days. You know, 30 years ago we had him too, and the best parody of that was shown up, you know, the Shogun of Harlem. But, you know, the bully martial artist. But uh, it's. I, I hate seeing it. And that's the reason that's the difference. When you're training for martial arts, are you training to be a badass and beat up other people and win medals? Or are you training for something deeper? Huge difference in that, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. And again, like, I think um, certain styles are developed to create a more family environment and certain styles are developed to be a more competitive environment. Um, Definitely, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is definitely very competitive. Uh, it's how it's 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 where the growth happens. Like that's yeah. something that that I I've been looking at doing doing jujitsu now for the last five years. No gi jujitsu, and now getting into gi jujitsu. Like growth happens in competition and training with people that are trying to beat you, uh, as opposed to practicing with people that are your friends. And because of that, some people will get it twisted as far as where growth it's no longer like you said about growth it's about imposing their will on someone else um and they constantly get stuck in that mindset you have to learn how to have an off switch and the the real good world champions do like all the good world champions multiple placing multiple golds 
um, you'll see that they have that off switch where like, yeah, when I'm in this space, I'm going for the gold. When I'm not in this space, I'm giving back to my community. Definitely. So, I mean, uh, yeah. And my favorite example of that might have been Chuck Liddell. Pound uh, for bound, time for time, he was my favorite. And he was terrible at shit. <laughs> I remember any time they do the, the whole mashup, trash talking to each other, he wouldn't say much of anything really worth it. And then one time, I think they got him to finally say something, and it looked like he was reading a script. They had a gun to his head. It was just, it was, <laughs> I loved it. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not that kind of trash talker myself, but it was just kind of funny to watch. Yeah. And that, again, that's definitely the entertainment element. Yeah, very much so. Well, John, I really do want to thank you, man, for coming out, sharing your thoughts. Um, John has his own YouTube series that's also going to be here on my link. Uh, he talks a lot about different martial arts philosophies and uh, using different self-defense techniques. Uh, and he talks a lot about his history and he shares a lot of his knowledge. That'll, that that will definitely be in the episode notes. Is there any events coming up for you, John? When's the next time you're training people out in Okayama? Uh, we're doing uh, one or two workouts every weekend right now. Uh, so again, if we start at the community center thing, we're trying to spread the knowledge that it exists. Um, I would love people who, whatever you're training, come in anytime. Uh, it's a free class. Right now, we're just trying to get you, you and me both are trying to get Kaiju Kumbo in Japan. People to say, "Oh, you know, what is Kaiju Kumbo?" Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a challenge, and um, and even in America, it's a challenge. But in Japan, like we're the only two guys out here, so yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, yeah um, if you can, we'll include the Facebook link for your for your page there too, and that way they can see when you're training. That's and, great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming out. Um, for my wrap-up here, thanks for checking out Social Jello with Angelo. Uh, today there will not be an ending sequence where I talk about other stuff, so this is the ending sequence right here, www.socialjello.com. I have no events coming up right now. I'm just kind of chilling. It's the summer. So uh, my next fight is in September. It's too far away to really talk about it. But uh, yeah, definitely stop by my website, check out the links to see some more articles on what we talked about today. And if you are training in Japan and you are looking for someone to show you some Kaji Kambo, uh, definitely hit up John in Okayama. He's got a formal class where he teaches and, and it's a formal Kaji Kambo class. I've been there. He knows what he's talking about. He's a great He's a great instructor. It's also a good workout. He gets like a 20-minute, 30-minute cardio session before you actually get into the techniques and stuff, which is really good for, for the heart. Um, if you're in the Kobe area, you can come check check out my training. I'm at the uh, KFN, Kobe Fight Network. I do not teach formal Kaju Kembo like with the geese, but I do go over the techniques and I do do one-on-ones, private lessons and I still teach techniques uh, and the method that I come from just in a little bit of a different approach because of the venue that I do it to. And that's, the links are there too. So if you're in Kobe or if you're in Okayama, please hit us up. Uh, we're very reachable and our contact information is on our Facebook page. I'll catch you all later. Peace. Uh, thanks, I appreciate it.